as the Lord encounters us. We see that Mary's heart has continually been shaped as we've headed through these early chapters of Luke. We see how, how Mary's heart was, was moved initially after she met, had the encounter with the angel. How she had no merit of her own, and yet the Lord gave her his grace by saying that, the angel saying that God's favor rested with her. And she responds to that grace that God has given her by saying, use me as you will. May it be just as you have said. In the second week, as we continued, Mary's heart was continuing to be transformed and shaped. We see how her heart was transformed and shaped to to rejoicing, moving from allowing God to use her to rejoicing in what the Lord has been doing through her. And we see that rejoicing reflected not only in Mary, but we see the rejoicing reflected in Elizabeth as she gets a word from the Spirit to give to Mary. We see the rejoicing in the baby that's in the womb of Elizabeth, baby John who jumps within the womb. And we see the rejoicing by Mary as she goes on to sing a song of praise to the Lord. And that theme of rejoicing even continues a little bit later as as John is born and as Zechariah regains his voice and he himself raises a song of rejoicing to the Lord. We see the movement from using us, the Lord using us to us rejoicing in how the Lord works within us. And today we are, we are brought to the moment of, of pondering and treasuring what the Lord has done. When I think of pondering and, and treasuring, perhaps we all could think of opportunities uh, to think back, to remember maybe ways that we have experienced and treasured moments around Christmas. I can, I can think back a little bit. Emily and I were talking just this past week about how we would celebrate Christmas as uh, kids, basically. And I recalled, and she recalled too, how usually on Christmas Eve we would go to church. And as I would go to church later on when I was in high school, I'd participate in the, the choir, the adult choir at, at church. And we sang the song every year, every single year. All the choir would line along the sides of of the worship center, we'd all be holding candles and we'd sing a song about peace. And then after worship, we would go home, we would celebrate with our family, and then Christmas morning, we would gather with my mom's side of the family. My grandpa and grandma Beekman, my mom's four other sisters, all the cousins, and some of my, I was the youngest cousin, so my other cousins probably, uh, I think they had kids at that time already, and we'd all go, and we'd rent the Lutheran church basement, and we'd all pile on in there, have dinner or lunch together, and play games, and the younger ones like me would run into the gym and, and do all sorts of things. Times to treasure family. Times to be with people, to 
to maybe ponder what's happened during the year, to think about God's graciousness. I'm, I'm sure the rest of you, too, could think of these opportunities that you've had to treasure the way God has worked in perhaps Christmases of the past, past moments of joy that bring a smile to our face. But there's probably other times where we think that, well, maybe Jesus isn't the most important thing in this season anymore. You know, maybe that's why we see phrases like, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? Or I, I saw one of our members posted that, and he said, well, actually, Jesus is the reason for every day, not just this season, right? And, and maybe we feel like at times Jesus has become less important by seeing phrases or statements like Xmas, you know, instead of Christ. Yes. And I just want to tell you that in Greek, Jesus' name is Christos, which is, uh, begins with the letter he, which looks like an X. So it's still Jesus in Christmas that way. But perhaps, perhaps there is a truth that less people maybe ponder Jesus during the Christmas season. But really, that makes me think about the time period Jesus himself was born. The reality for many in the Roman Empire is that Jesus was not the most important person. The fact, the very fact of when Jesus was born and the passage just before the one that my kids and wife read said that there was a census going on, and the fact that Jesus was born during this census was kind of an exclamation point that Jesus was not the most important person in the world. It was Caesar, the Lord and the God of the kingdom, that was the most important because the census was a sign of loyalty to that leader. He was the most important person in the known world at the time, not this baby born in Bethlehem, placed in a manger. Yet in the midst of this sign and tribute to Caesar, Jesus enters the world, and it's announced by these angels that we read about. The announcement of birth by this angel and the host of angels that gather around these shepherds declare that something is about to drastically change within the situation of the world. An overlooked, unimportant baby born in Bethlehem will be in active conflict with the kingdoms of the world. You know, the shepherds encounter these angels after Mary had, been, had given birth. The shepherds are likely experiencing something that they had not experienced ever before, but it follows the, the pattern of things that are happening in Luke. 
as Zechariah was the first one to hear a word from the Lord about the expectation of John coming. And then Mary her, herself experiences an angel coming to her. In the book of Matthew, we find that somewhere along the lines, Joseph encountered an angel in a dream, and now an angel comes again to the shepherds. Whenever we think of babies being born, you think about family gathering around, maybe heading up to the hospital to to visit with the newborn child. I was looking through pictures uh, recently of the times and periods where Emily and I had new babies in the family, stemming all the way back to 2012. And as I looked through the pictures, I saw various people, and uh, amusingly, the only picture of someone else in the hospital that I saw of Peyton was our good friend at the time, Lacey Randall, who was, he, she was the wife of a youth director friend of mine. We, we bring these people in to these special moments, those close family, those close friends, those pastor friends, those parents, those children, as you get older, as they hold on to these babies, these intimate moments. You know, but there's never been a time for Emily or I where someone from some outlying country or the neighborhood or some podunk village or something like that came and, and said to us, Steve, an angel of the Lord told me to come to Metro Hospital, or now known as University of Health, Michigan West Hospital, whatever it's called. And there you will find twins wrapped up like burritos, lying in clear-sided bassinets with casters easily able to move about. No one ever said anything like that to me. So it still must have been a pretty big surprise. For, for Mary having these, these shepherds all of a sudden come to Bethlehem, likely come into this probably a four-room house that they were in, and Mary and Joseph were in the part of the house where the animals would normally stay, but there's nothing in Scripture that says there's actually animals in there right then. But they pile into this room, to find the sign that the angel had given them, which wasn't a baby boy named Jesus. The sign was actually, it was like the clear-sided bassinet with casters. It was the thing that the baby would be placed in. You know, Luke mentions this manger multiple times. Only one time in the passage that we read, but in the verses preceding that, he mentions it a couple more. He says, this will be a sign to you, as verse 12. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. The manger is the sign. It's like the GPS navigation for the shepherd. 
It's the sign that is pointing to what the most important person is. The one who is wrapped in the claws. The one who is lying in the manger. And the angel says that when you find this baby lying in this manger, that that is good news for you. The kingdom of God is now actively in confrontation with the kingdoms of the world. And as Mary and Joseph likely were not expecting additional visitors, I wonder what was going through their mind as these shepherds begin to pour into this room where they have just been, where Jesus had just given, been, uh, been born where Mary had basically just given birth. Were they somewhat startled, I wonder, to be surrounded by a bunch of people? Maybe they knew them. Maybe Bethlehem was small enough that they knew of these people, but maybe they didn't. They just stare at each other, wondering why all these people come pouring into the room, but then... Then the shepherds begin sharing what they had experienced. As Mary and Joseph perhaps are sitting there exhausted because of what happens, they begin to hear the account of how an angel had met these shepherds. And they share what they experienced. They share the the host of angels that sang glory to God in the highest and peace on those whom God uh, dwells with. And perhaps a smile came to Mary and Joseph's face because they too had had experiences with angels of the Lord that had shared what was happening, just small piece by small piece, revealing what God was doing through the birth of Jesus. After the shepherds now had confirmed the existence of this baby wrapped in claws, lying in this peculiar bassinet, They moved on to rejoicing. They moved on into the city rejoicing and telling everybody else what the Lord had been doing and how the Lord had been working in this very night. Once again, we see the Lord's transformation in His people. His transformation as as that heart that has been changed by the Lord is unable to keep silent by what the Lord is doing and they need to exclaim and tell others of what's happening. But we see Mary take this a step further when we read in verse 19. We can get to the next one. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She had experienced the presence of an angel. Maybe Joseph shared with her the the encounter that 
that he had had with an angel. She had experienced the word that the Spirit gave Elizabeth. The testimony now provided by the shepherds. And and she moves beyond just exclamation and joy and rejoicing and moves into pondering, considering, treasuring. In all these experiences, she moves to contemplation about what is it that the Lord is truly doing in this moment. You know, Mary's contemplation and treasuring and pondering isn't the only time a parent considers what the Lord may do in the life of one of their children. Years earlier, there was another father, uh, and his name was Jacob, and it was Jacob uh, who God has changed his name to Israel, who, who pondered. Jacob's son was a man named Joseph, not to be confused with Mary's husband. But this Joseph had a dream where every one of his family would bow down to him. He had this dream actually on multiple occasions, and Scripture says this in Genesis 37, verse 11, if we can get that on the screen. After he had shared about this dream, it says his brothers, Joseph's brothers, became jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Jacob didn't let the matter, he he didn't let these dreams that Joseph was having be something that was this fleeting thought that was in one ear and out the other. No, instead, he, he kept the matter in mind, perhaps pondering the fate of his own son. What would it be in his life? What would come to pass that would cause all of the family to bow down to this, one of the youngest sons. And what we see in Scripture is that Joseph would rise to power in such an unlikely manner. After his brothers sold him into slavery and thought they had wiped their hands of all this trouble from their brother, All of a sudden, they come face to face with him in what would have seemed preposterous many years earlier. The Lord brought to pass something that was pondered for many years for Jacob. And perhaps, too, Mary then was doing the same, pondering what was the fate of Jesus. Now I got to let you in on a little secret here. There's this song called Mary Did You Know? And no offense if you love that song, but it is my least favorite song of the Christmas season. And I only share that because it asks questions. Mary, did you know that Jesus would do this? Did you know that Jesus would do this? And the cynical answer in me says, 
Yeah, Mary knew. The angel told her, come on now. She's had word from an angel by herself. She's had word from an angel through Joseph. She's had word from, from the Holy Spirit through Elizabeth. She's had a word from the shepherds. Yeah, she knew. Anyway, that's a secret for me. But, you know, I think... Even though we see this transformation in her and we see how she's moved and she's formed, we can, we can maybe put them in a position where they're a little too high and, and maybe that's what I'm doing when I say, well, yeah, she knew because if we go a little bit later in Scripture, uh, after Jesus is an adult... The, the family kind of enters a house, and Jesus entered a house, and he gathered with a crowd, and, and not even his disciples were able to eat with them. And when his family heard about it, they went to take charge of Jesus, and they said that he is out of his mind. It, it doesn't say that Mary was necessarily one of the family. Perhaps it was just his brothers, but perhaps she was there as well. And even though she was pondering the fate of her own son and, and treasuring what the Lord was doing, there's a grace for us in this, that even with the best explanation and even if you yourself would experience an opportunity where an angel of the Lord would lay out God's plan for salvation for you, that you might screw up. That you might not see the full picture that even if you ponder deeply what the Lord is doing, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to know everything. So maybe that song, Mary, did you know, would Jesus walk on water? Maybe that's okay. And, and maybe I need to, to be more receptive and appreciative of, of thinking of that type of song. Maybe that's the way the Lord is transforming me in this time period. But we have an opportunity to join the Lord in those things. Psalm 107, uh, verse 43, says, Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. As we celebrate the birth of Jesus throughout this season. I'm sure we can move back to those stories where we remember Christmases of the past. Perhaps we can ponder and celebrate those memories that we had with people that have long gone, were with us for a time, and now they're with the Lord. Perhaps we can ponder the goodness of what the birth of Christ has done through our life, through those people, the people that 
had a word from the Lord to give us. In these next weeks, let us, along with Mary, move our heart to ponder how the Lord has been working in our lives, those moments where people speak into our life, those moments where Scripture speaks into our life and and causes us to be transformed and changed. To look at the incarnation in Jesus and even looking forward to His death and later His resurrection as something more than just a mere event that happens in Scripture. More than just an opportunity to go to church and be with people but instead an opportunity for the Lord to transform our heart. I've been battling some sciatic nerve issues lately. Heading to urgent care and doctor visits and physical therapy. Sometimes hard to stand up or sit down or lay down without experiencing pain. Multiple nights of sleeping, not really sleeping, sleepless nights. And someone in our congregation that, was, that has gone through the same thing in the past said to me, make sure you thank God for the sleep you do get. Even if it's an hour or an hour and 45 minutes, God gives you what you stand in need of. And perhaps, perhaps that's how the Lord's working in me right now. To gain an empathy for those who experience things that I don't normally experience. Because I tell my doctor, I am too young for this. I'm not even 40 yet. I hear that's, or 40 or 50 is when things go down the hill. Not 37. Come on now, right? What is it in your life right now that the Lord is working in you, that, that people are bringing you a word from the Lord, a word that is inviting you to ponder, to consider the transformation that God wants you to have in your life through the baby? that was born in a manger. The baby who was the sign, the sign of things to come, the sign of transformation that was going to happen in the world through the confrontation with the kingdoms in this world. Let's work to ponder the Lord's work in our life this week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that the Bible is not just some words. That we believe that the Bible is living and active. That the the stories within Scripture are not just stories to remember and reflect and think about, but that you've put the stories of Scripture and the people in Scripture there to cause us to change, 
So our prayer, Lord, is, is that you would work within us by your Spirit to change us. To cause us to not be the same people tomorrow as we were today. That the birth of Christ would truly mean something to us so much that we're willing to go through the pain of transformation to see what you would make us to be. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.